0: The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Episode 19. Wow, I am so excited about that because... When you do something new, you never know if it's going to stick around. In fact, most podcasts don't. And so this is the beginning and also a long, long, long commitment to doing this for listeners. Speaking of commitments, our guest today is one of the most committed, hardworking, loyal, generous, and uber-knowledgeable people that I know when it comes to LinkedIn. And trust me when I tell you, I thought I knew LinkedIn. I mean, I'd spent about 15 years on LinkedIn before I started my business. I was a recruiter, so I thought I knew LinkedIn. No way, Jose. This wasn't even close to what I have learned from Kevin D. Turner. Kevin D. Turner is a brand strategist. He's also one of my immediate go-to LinkedIn experts. He does a lot of work with LinkedIn. He's got their ear. He does beta testing. He does all kinds of stuff. But today, he is here to help us crack the code about the business of LinkedIn you as a job seeker need to know so that you could become a power player and crack the code. So Kevin, oh my goodness.
2: Lauren to A a million billion. That's the most incredible introduction. I truly appreciate that. You are so kind. I'm excited to be here because I do. I love. I live. I'm I am in all the time. And so, you know, not everybody gets that opportunity. It is my business to be in inside LinkedIn and to understand it and help people be better at it, right? Crack that code. Well, I spent a lot of time here. Most people don't have that time. So they really, really need to understand. What it is that they can do effectively, efficiently to make this big beast work for them as opposed to them working for LinkedIn, right? And that's a whole different mindset. It is a business. And if we think about it in the business, if you can feed a business and make the business more profitable, what are they going to do for you? They're going to take care of you, right? And so understanding it in that sense is, I think, kind of the first start to this process.
1: Exactly. And one of the things I so respect about you is that you peeled away a lot of the layers because what you said is true. It is a beast. It is a huge beast. And guess what? The beast is growing. I mean, this thing is colossal. And what I want you to talk about is during your exposure to LinkedIn, kind of the three pivotal changes that you have seen and where it is now so that people who are still thinking that LinkedIn is just a place where you upload your online resume are clear about the fact that, I don't know how else to say this, you know, we're not in the dark ages, it's not your father's Oldsmobile, this is not what we thought it was. And I'm going to ask you to share that context because, again, you are 100% the expert, so If you can help us understand in a a very, you know, kind of big picture way, what the evolution of LinkedIn is and why
2: should we care? Well, and that's a great place to start. LinkedIn in itself, often people think of it as like a social good platform, right? I can post my resume there. I'll be found there. I can have discussions. I can, you know, this, that, and the other. I can present things. It's not a social good site. It is a business And it's becoming much more business-focused on their end. Now, LinkedIn, in, in essence, that whole concept of it's a place to put your resume, right? that's how LinkedIn began. It basically was that. You had a profile, you could input, and it would actually ask you to load your resume to create your profile at the very beginning. So that's what it was. And then LinkedIn realized, you know what? We've got to give people more to make them come here and stay here and... If we're going to use this as a platform to sell members to other members, and that's really the basic uh, business model of LinkedIn, we've got to give them a reason to be here. And you know that really evolved into, we're going to come in with networking tools, right? The best way to, to improve your brand, improve your career, improve your opportunities is always networking. I always say networking always beats not working, right? Because if you're doing it all the time, you never have to go look for a job. The jobs find you, right? You help people find jobs and you're staying in tune. So networking always beats not working. And LinkedIn, I think, understood that concept early on, although they've never used those terms. The basis of LinkedIn is a theory called six degrees of separation. Within six handshakes, you can meet anybody in the world. The more first level handshakes you have, the less of the six you need, right? Makes sense. Now, what LinkedIn realized is if we take that concept and build a networking platform based on six degrees of separation, how do we monetize that? Because we're a business. So what LinkedIn decided is we're going to cut you off at the third level. So to get the other three, right, the four, five, and six, you got to pay for it. Or if four, five, and six want you... Mm. They've got to pay LinkedIn to get there, and that's why LinkedIn has been one of the only wildly profitable social media platforms since almost day one, and it was because they implemented this. Facebook, I don't think, has ever made a dollar yet. Twitter hasn't made money at all, ever. It only loses money, right? These are social platforms that are running big revenues through, but they don't make any money because they never really figured out what that base equation was. And that's what made LinkedIn brilliant. So they said, you know, we're going to bring in the networking, but we're going to also kind of stop people's ability to see everything right in the middle. So they've got to pay for it. Now, the last number I saw, LinkedIn is a $17 billion company, right? 65% of its annual revenue comes from selling members to other members. to me. You know, recruiter,
1: this is, this is like a sales total, navigator. Like, we got to stop time right here. Like, literally, we got to, like, put a time block here. $17 billion, you said 60%? 60, 65, I've seen it a couple different places. 60, 65 is, is through a paid
2: service yep. that is called Talent Solutions, right? And Sales Navigator. If and Sales Navigator. Sale, sell license well, to, to other members. That's basically what they're okay, getting. So,
1: so those, two, those two in combination equals more than half of the revenue. How big, to contextualize this, how big is the universe of LinkedIn? How many members are we currently at? Because when I throw this up and ask some of my clients, they're like, oh, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe 25 million.
2: It, so it, it's, how it, many it, are we? It is almost a billion. It probably, I would say by the end of the year, it'll be at a billion. If you look inside your search box, if you hit your search box twice with people, you'll actually get a total number for LinkedIn that day. And we know some of those are fake and some oh, are the other, but it gives you a good uh, gist. I think I looked this morning and it said uh, 940 million people. So to me, that's close enough. Okay. To a billion.
1: 940. Okay, that's, we'll just call it a billion <laughs> the for million. easy math, right? There you go. And the reason why that is important is because, with all due respect, if you think you're going to get found in that universe just by putting a profile up there, you're smoking something and it's going to burn. Because there is no way you have to have enough information to be dangerous. And that's one of the reasons why I love following you and why I send everyone to follow you and why you're a group speaker for for Portfolio Rocket and why you're here today is because there are many hundreds, probably thousands of LinkedIn trainers, but not all of them go to the level of depth and data that you do. And so now that we've established some of these anchors, right? Today, here we are today at 940 billion with all of this revenue coming in. Tell us why do I care if I'm a job seeker? Why do I? So what? Who cares? There are other companies that are billion dollars. Why does this matter to me if I am an executive, if I am in the C-suite? And a lot of people are kind of that I work with, they're like, do I really need this thing? you know why do i care and why am, and what am i missing if i if i don't care
2: you know i used to hear that a lot more in the over the last 10 years now i'm hearing i know i need to have one and they don't know why either right so it's kind of the same thing then they thought they didn't and they didn't know why now they think they do and they don't know why the really reason is is that's where people go to find people like you right so you can either be one in almost a billion or you can be the one in a billion. Hmm. What is interesting about LinkedIn, it is a huge database, right? And so database best practices are critical. So if you follow those best practices, you are easy to find for what you do, right? So you want to refine what you do and, and put that in together, and you want to follow these guide points throughout LinkedIn so that when somebody types in the parameters that describe you, you are not number 350, you're number one, right? It's much like doing a Google search. If you're looking for something on Google and you plug it in, whatever whatever you're looking for, how many times do you get past page one, two, three? Probably not. Most people get- And after page
1: one, I'm like, I'm out,
2: right? Or you're getting a new search together, right? Because that one didn't work. Nobody gets to that one farther down. So it's really those that understand that and say, well, now how do I perfect my opportunity on LinkedIn so I can be found for those things that are happening? Now, opportunity as a job seeker, obviously, is that next big career. It's much better to be recruited than it is to go find it, right? So if you become the solution for what recruiters are looking for in the area that is your expertise, where you want to focus going forward. If they're constantly finding you, right? And your activity within LinkedIn speaks to those solving those needs, you're the number one. And right. I just want to also
1: raise my hand and say, as you know, the majority of what we focus in on at Portfolio Rocket is moving away from the dependency of recruiters. We want not just recruiters, we want decision makers colleagues, past bosses, other people that you may not ever know. I mean, we're talking, sometimes I call it networking with strangers, right? We want to make sure that you are not, I don't even want to say it the crass way that I do, sucking on the recruiter tit, I just said it, and and literally building that dependency because a recruiter's job is to make a placement. And that's all fine and well, and many of you know, I was a career recruiter, but your satisfaction and or your fit is up to you. They are, I'll put it it in the same way that I heard it in a recent webinar that I was in, which was we fit square pegs into square holes. So if you are a linear candidate for them, you got it made. But if you have anything that deviates from those requirements, it's a much, much, much harder fit and can often be why you're not being found because you don't fit this cookie cutter kind of
2: criteria that is required for them to make that score. And and that makes absolute sense. And if we think about back to that initial 65% of the revenue, right, comes from selling members to other members, the two biggest categories being recruiter, right? And sales navigator, sales navigator, they're looking for decision makers. Recruiters are looking for decision creators or whatever, you know, but they both have the same needs in that sense, in what you can fulfill. If you become the perfect product for 65% of LinkedIn's annual revenue, right? Other things happen for you. So maybe the non recruiter discovers you or it makes it easier for you to discover the right people as well. And that's a big piece of this. If we fit within their database best practices, all these doors kind of open up. So it's not so much that that recruiter might find you or that decision-maker might find you. It's you become more findable in that process. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to do your discovery into what you want to be. Right. And so... There are a couple of areas that I always like to talk about, and that is LinkedIn kind of tells you this stuff, but it doesn't tell you up front, right? There isn't a help page. There is a description of this, but as you're going in within your own profile, right, there are many places within that profile that as you begin to type, LinkedIn throws a drop-down box, right? Those drop-down boxes are what are called market value filters on LinkedIn, so that drop down box could be a location, right? It could be a company name, it could be a position, it could be a skill, it could be your education. Now, what I find, when I go out and I look at these profiles, majority of them have selected their own filter, right? They created their own title global, you know, cloud 9 navigator. Nobody knows what that is, you know. Chief human resource officer, I can now find you, right? And so when you're going through that profile, be sure that you're looking at those drop down boxes and select something from within that makes sense. Now, I think companies in general will award us titles that are very obfuscated for reasons that they don't want us to be found, right? (laughs) Often. And if you can go in there and think about what do everybody, what would everybody else, every other company, what would they call me for what I do? and you use that title from the dropdown box, right? you are going to be then promoted within LinkedIn as a perfect product in that category. The AI within LinkedIn is going to be assigning skills to you that may not even be in the content context of your profile because they know the position has that value. right? Because you always think about that when, when somebody puts out a job posting and it says you must have A, B, C, D, and F. If you didn't get A, B, C, D, and F in the writing, They might not consider you. But if the AI assigned that to you through using these market value filters appropriately, you're going to then qualify for a job that you might not have qualified based on the resume or the profile. That makes sense? So, Kevin, I got to stop you because if I didn't know you, I would
1: know what the bleep, uh, where to find (laughs) these market value filters. I would be so lost in Toledo. I mean, I would have no idea. And so, What I want to do, and we're going to deviate from this for just a minute because I don't want to leave anybody hanging going, oh, thanks for that. Like, where do I go? Is what I I wanted to ask, and maybe this is going to be really important, and part of this is, let's face it, how will you know if your LinkedIn profile isn't working? And how will you know conversely when it is? So we use this term all the time, right? Let's optimize your LinkedIn profile. And how I describe it is let's move it from a poster to a landing page. If it's a poster, it's static. If it's a landing page, it's, it's causing some kind of call to action, some conversion. But how do you know if you've been on LinkedIn for a long time or you're back in the search and you're just getting to that profile, how do you know that it's either like completely Non functional versus, yeah, this thing is, I'm ready to go. Because how many people do you have that you talk to that's like, oh, yeah,
2: I, I, I've got a LinkedIn profile? It's, it's, I'm done. And, and that's a great question because there's there's kind of art and science to that, right? There's that concept of how do I fit within LinkedIn? And then it's how do you speak to somebody once they get to your profile, right? Mm. And those all have to align. But to me, it's, it's, Fascinating in, in LinkedIn because some people will get tied up into profile visits as a metric, right? Oh, I went from eight hundred to three thousand profile visits in a month. If they're the wrong three thousand, it doesn't matter. You would have done better with right. two profile visits of the right. right So don't get caught up in these vanity metrics. What, oh,
1: what are other vanity <laughs> metrics but that what now that we're here? What are other vanity metrics and break down that term for us, because I love that term. I think it, it is a perfect uh, descriptor for what it is. But why should people understand what the vanity metrics are? And specifically, you just talked about profile views. Hmm. And what are the other maybe one or two vanity metrics that they need to know?
2: Post views could be a vanity metric, right? Right. What else could you... Those are the, probably Those are probably the two biggest ones that mislead people, right? What a vanity metric is, it's just that it's kind of a raw metric. It's the biggest metric they can provide for you, but it doesn't tell you a lot of detail behind that metric. So, you know, if you're really interested in getting profile views, you don't want to get them from anybody. You want to get them from certain types of people, right? Right. The, The decision makers that you want to connect with, those are the ones you want to be sure are hitting that profile. Right. That's where LinkedIn doesn't give you enough information. So that's why I say don't get too tied up into those. Your best metric is are you having conversation, Right? Yes. Are people sending you emails that really address what you want to get done? Are they having, you know, DMs with you? Are they following you? Which is right. another great place to kind of discover who's interested in you, right? In that sense, if they if they've gone to that effect those are better metrics to use. And then are you converting any of those into real life conversations? Right. Because a DM, you go back and forth a couple of times, things get forgotten. If you're not then bringing that into a conversation, you're losing that bigger piece of that. And so you should be really kind of tracking that. What's my close rate on these kind of direct messages that I'm getting? And you know how fast am I moving them to something? Now, LinkedIn has a really kind of cool feature that everybody forgets about. And that is, if you're having that, the, those messages going back and forth within LinkedIn, there's a little, it looks like a little camera at the top of your message box. You can actually click that and send them a link within that message that says, let's have a video conference. Yes. You can then record that video conference. You can also share your screen if you start the conference. Mm-hmm. So you can really take it to a different level. Right, right, and that's one of the best steps to kind of building trust. I now see Lauren. I can, I can see her eyes. I can see her mouth. Totally, having a conversation. I'm seeing what she is responding to. It's a much better thing than than the little DM piece, oh. right?
1: So those are so you can ignore those in a heartbeat. I just want to talk about this process that you described. Right, you're online. You have this, and you're you're saying, well, if you're having conversations, that's a really good sign. That's Part of your conversion. And that tells you that they're finding you and they're the right people, et cetera, et cetera. But the way that I always, um, I took this from Judy Fox. Thanks to you, Judy. She calls it a spontaneous trade transfer. So, what that means is when there's somebody who you're connecting with and they connect back with you, that's a spontaneous, you do one thing and I do it in kind. But then the process should work from online to offline Absolutely. right so your spectrum should be like oh here we are connecting connecting and then you know maybe a middle ground is oh now we're in the dms right because once you're connected you have all kinds of really good access video voice notes direct messages etc so now you have this kind of place you move from one kind of cold ish to mm-hmm. warm, and then you take that offline so online hit stop over there in the dms and then you're offline the way that i have also thought about this is that it's like dating right you're never going to really meet somebody if you stay with them online forever and ever and ever okay. that's and you're never going to get to know them and so you really want to make sure that you're not just leaving those relationships hanging after all, once you connect with that person, like why did you connect with them anyway? True. So, so it's, a, it's just such an unbelievable opportunity. And this is one of the key reasons why the whole world of careers, job seekers, relationships has changed because you are now connected 24-7 to nearly a billion people.
2: So it, it, you know, it makes it even more important knowing that we're going to take it from this very digital connectivity into real world, right? Knowing that, what you've got to be careful, and people are not on LinkedIn, is are you being real, right? And they use that term authentic, you hear it too often. But when you make that transition and you get in front of them, do they recognize who you are? Or is it all of a sudden a surprise? So if you went back to that dating app concept and somebody showed up and they weren't, what they were in the picture or in the words that they were saying oh, been there done that well now we've got an accelerator going on right now and that is generative ai somebody asked me you know i, I to write an article about something i don't know i'll go to generated ai maybe chat gtp i'll create an article i'll pop it wow i'm getting good responses i can now comment back using generative ai right And I've got this thing going and now I've got thought leadership in a subject I really know nothing about. Mm. And now they want to talk to me. Right? What am I gonna do? I can't take (laughs) chat GTP with me into, let's say, an interview or conversation, a meeting, right? It's not there. So whatever you are doing and placing within LinkedIn, be sure it's yours, be sure it's your knowledge point that you're creating this. And protect it in a lot of ways as well, you know, but don't use other ways of getting there. Don't pretend to be something you're not, because ultimately, if our mission here is to go from this digi side of the world into real life, that's not going to go with you. You're going to get stuck. And if you do that to certain people, that becomes your reputation, whether it's a decision maker, whether it's a recruiter. And what people don't realize is other people are networked. And they do talk, so oh, if you sure. one person, let's say if it was a recruiter at Corn Ferry, there's going to be notes for nine hundred other recruiters that say, "Yeah, Bern didn't tell me the truth in this, right? Or something to that effect. Same thing within business decision makers. you know, don't hire this group because they don't know what they're talking about. This person didn't represent themselves correctly. So do the work, be you, get it out there, you know and build from there. Don't use some of these crutches. Now, I will step that back in one sense that AI, to me, can be a great muse, right? but it can never be a complete artist. That's where you come in. Exactly. Even LinkedIn is starting to realize this because they have a lot of AI-assisted products, and every one of their AI-assisted products won't let you just take what it produces and Put it I into the to. system. Right. It asks you to look at it, review it, make it your own. Oh, thank God! Because they're figuring it out. They, the same thing with these collaborative articles, right? They, the AI can create an article. That's what they found out. But they need real authors with real experience to put that in there to make that uh, that article of any value to anybody to read. So exactly, if, if it
1: was that can, easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Absolutely. So, and you can tell it is... To- and who is not? Should we go back to market value filters? Can, can we go back there? Because I don't want to, I really don't want to miss this. Help me understand what, what they are and where I find them.
2: You know, probably the easiest place to start and the one that has the most impact is if you go into your experience section within LinkedIn profiles, right? If you go to a title and you look at that title, maybe backspace the one you have in there, right? If nothing is popping in the drop down box mm. then whatever you had as a title there is not recognized LinkedIn and and many other platforms are they recognize about 6500 titles those are market value titles that they understand what they mean no matter what company uses them no matter what industry uses them they understand them right so when you're
1: so, you're like I'm pretending like I've never had a LinkedIn profile before so now I go ahead and I put that in and it has a drop down, right? And yeah, it right. allows you. It allows you to actually create a title, even though you're saying don't use that. Yeah, so you no, can't. You, you can't call yourself a UX Ninja, but I wouldn't try it if you want to be found. I mean, in fact, over the weekend we were talking about somebody that you're now working with, and you said, "Holy mackerel, this person is undiscoverable." Yeah. Invisible. not discoverable don't yeah. try that if you're on the market you don't want to be you can't be found if you're hiding
2: yeah i that's mean worse than one, in, one in a billion that's none in a billion none yeah. in a
1: billion you and that's a, that's a mistake that's a mistake that people and understanding this backdrop of the business how this works so this is literally what Like we said in the beginning, right, this is a huge beast. This is probably not going to be a one and done kind of episode. We'll be having Kevin back and other LinkedIn experts to chime in also on the algorithm, which they call the Algo for short, which is the pet name for saying the thing that makes us all crazy because the algorithm is, it's under wraps, it's secret, and it's, it's a guarded secret by Microsoft. That being said, they're changing it all the time. So, only people like Kevin and other people who are practitioners in this area have the patience and wherewithal to be able to dig in and try to understand, sometimes with insider information, sometimes also with the collaboration of other LinkedIn trainers. What I really want you to talk about as we are wrapping up the interview and about to move into the signature questions is. One of my favorite Kevin D. Turner isms. Oh God, I love this. I just wish that I had created it because it's so good. Can you give us the highlight and the snapshot of what it means when you say personal branding, not personal
2: branding? Absolutely, and it's probably what I see most of on LinkedIn, and that is, you know, people look at that and they go, "I've got to, I've got to create this profile. I've got to." create this persona on LinkedIn. I'm going to throw everything I've got in there, right? And people will find what they want, kind of like a buffet, right? They'll find what they want. They'll know exactly what I'm about. That is blanding. The other side of blanding is I'm not going to tell them anything, right? I'm going to keep very minimum uh, position at company, years. That's it. That's all you get, right? And you're supposed to figure this out. People, when you are one in a billion, don't go and figure you out. Right. So you've got to get them there. You've got to focus. And that's the personal branding part is what do you have to offer that you enjoy doing that they're willing to pay for that moves you forward where you want to go? And that's how you should focus your profile. If there are things that you want to do that you don't know how to do yet, you got to fill those gaps in in the process and you can build those through education, through experience, you know but you want to focus it in that sense. So to me, personal branding is the accidental or inadvertent demarketing of oneself, Mm, right? right. And And people do it all the time.
1: And people do it all the time. And I think that part of the reason why they do that, this is my theory. It's easy, but also there is, I think, a, a very bad misnomer or conception, perception, that if they were to stand out, somehow that would be unprofessional. And so it's a lot easier to play within the lines and do the safe thing, which is just put this information in here and like nobody's going to be, you know, up in arms about some crazy thing that I, that I, I say. Yeah, <laughs> because if you say I'm a forever Bee Gees fan and you're a CEO, gosh, what would people say?
2: <laughs> and I think the other, the other side of that is, is people throughout their career have basically juggled every ball they've been thrown, right? Mm-hmm. The old Jack and Jill of all trades. And the end of that phrase is master of none. Nobody hires masters of none unless they're running a content, right? Yeah. So that's the problem is people think, you know, I don't want to lose a single opportunity, so I'm going to tell them everything I can do and ever have done. So confusing, sorry. you undecipherable for what you really can do and should be doing.
1: And you know, at the CEO level
2: where they are looking or the C-suite
1: level, when they're looking for people who are able to concisely communicate and also are really sound decision makers,
2: that just, those two things do not talk to each other. No, they don't. And and yet they're so often there (laughs) at all levels,
1: at all levels. Totally. So let's move over to these signature questions because I'm dying to hear this because I love, I I know that you always stick to the how-tos and data, 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 and you're like, I don't really reveal that much about my personal life, which is fine. I respect that. (laughs) But here we go. So Kevin D. Turner, I love saying the D in Kevin D. Turner. Tell me, tell us, what is the go-to business book that you would recommend everyone should read
2: coming out of this episode? You know, I think the one that that has the longest lasting impression on me that really kind of shaped me early on in my career is Bob Berg's The mm-hmm. Go-Giver, right? Mm-hmm. That concept that we do business and we refer people to people that we know, like, and trust. Mm-hmm. That's the core of networking, right? I'm not going to network with you. If I don't know, like and trust you at some point, right? It's not going to go beyond the handshake. Right. Sure to me, that was so important to realize that. And also to realize in the processing, if you give, you get tenfold, right? Every time. You're so afraid to mm-hmm. give. I don't want to give it all away for free because nobody's going to pay me. It's the start point that gets you to the point where they're going to pay you even more. Excellent.
1: You know, I'm a big fan of the Post-it. I have a lot of Post-its. I need a lot of reminders. What is the one Post-it that people need to put on their desk with respect to cracking the code with LinkedIn coming out of this episode?
2: You know, I I, I think it's back to networking always beats not working. Mm. You got a job or you don't. If you network, and I mean network in the sense that it's mutually beneficial to everyone like aristotle used to say right it's not a friendship unless it's mutually beneficial if you're doing that kind of networking you'll never have to find a job it will always find you mm. or the customers will always find you so you never do have to find that job that to me is something that i believe in and i actually came up with that and i've got it on my wall Absolutely. And so it helps me to remember that all the time guess we do a lot of networking right we sure do. Yeah. Last
1: question. What is your walk up song, Kevin Turner?
2: Ooh, there's a, a lot of favorites. I'm not going to go into a, to a, a Bee Gees but <laughs> or an Abba, or, you know, um, it's got to be something from cake. It's probably distance from cake. Ooh,
1: distance from cake. I like that. I didn't, you didn't strike me as a cake guy, but the, uh, is a serious, that is a seriously great band. Oh, absolutely. And for everyone here, make sure you follow Kevin D. Turner. He also has an incredible YouTube channel. All those links are going to be in the show notes. And uh, gosh, Kevin, I don't know how many times I've reached out to you and you've um, helped me in a jam or just on the side, but I, love, admire, and so deeply respect you and your incredible depth and breadth of knowledge, especially when it comes to LinkedIn and so many other things too.
2: You are kind, Lauren, and know the the, the respect is mutual. You are fantastic. So anytime I can spend a moment with you, I'm there. Bang. I'm all about it.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears, big time. We ask this, use these tools, not tomorrow, right now, and share them by spreading the love, leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.